Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN.com, Giants reporter, and I'm back here. Sorry about the break, but real life got in the way of this podcast once again. I'm not going to make promises. I keep saying I'm not going to make promises, but I'm going to try to bring you episodes weekly now that the season is starting. Uh, Quick explanation of why I've been a little bit MIA in regards to this podcast and really uh, covering the Giants even part lately. And that's because uh, first... My cousin was senselessly murdered. The, um, the month of April, I'm sorry, the month of August was crazy. Uh, just a, a bunch of highs and lows. Yes, my cousin was senselessly murdered earlier this month. Uh, real drain on you. Uh, just an absolute tragic event. Great guy. The kind of guy that always makes you laugh. So that was taking up some of my time. And then on the flip side... Little baby boy Ronan, Brody Ronan, came five weeks early. And he was in the hospital for a while because he was a, a preemie. Came out at four pounds, 15 ounces, and needed to, you know, hit the weight room because he's so little, so early that he needed to spend a couple weeks in the hospital. And if you know me, I'm all about family, family first, everything I do is for my family, and because of that, this podcast got put on the back burner. I actually had an episode ready to go. I even had an interview with BJ Hill. It was all set up, but then all kinds of stuff got in the way. Craziness, the highs and lows, really the circle of life that it is. And now we're here. I'm back. I'm back to work full-time. The season's about to start. And we're going to go over a bunch of stuff here. I'm going to give you some takeaways, right? We're going to go over some projections. Look at what Mike Clay, our ESPN resident projection master, has for the Giants. I'll go over some Giants over-unders. And then, you know what? We'll even talk some Giants and how their players will fare this year, in my opinion, in the fantasy world. Because we all have fantasy teams. You know it. We all love fantasy football. There's two reasons. I always say this. There's two reasons, really, football is as popular as it is now. Because the other sports, they, you know, they've, they've fallen off over the years. But football has gambling, which is absolute gold, always has been. Gambling is a huge component to the NFL and football in general. And then now fantasy. You know, people who don't even have allegiances to teams have allegiances to players. And that's why... You really see people that are fans of random teams, right? And you could live in, let's say, Florida. And all of a sudden, you're a Giant fan. And you're like, why are you a Giant fan? I love Saquon Barkley. And you could watch every Giant game from Florida. Whereas years ago, it was really provincial. You only watched like pretty much your, your, your teams. And there was maybe one national game. Your team every week was like one of the only only game you were guaranteed to have on TV. Now you could catch any team, any time, uh, plenty of different ways, and it's totally changed the game. But let's talk about the Giants. We'll start with some of my takeaways as we enter the season here, okay? And there's obviously optimism because every team is 0-0. Zero and zero. And for the Giants, I think your optimism, even though you're not going to see him for a while, we haven't had a chance to talk, your optimism 
begins with Daniel Jones. Now, I don't care what you thought of Daniel Jones. I don't care what you think of the preseason, which, by the way, is an absolutely garbage product. Daniel Jones completed 85% of his passes in the preseason. 85%. You could be Aaron Rodgers. You could be Tom Brady. You could be Russell Wilson, Drew Brees. I don't care who you are. If you're going in any sort of game with NFL players and completing 85% of your passes, that is off the charts good. He was excellent this preseason. And if you're a Giant fan, the number six overall pick, this is the future of your franchise, you have to be excited, and you should be excited. His poise in the pocket, his accuracy, the way he threw the ball downfield. I don't have it in front of me right now, but if you look at yards per air attempt, or air yards per attempt throughout the preseason, Alex Tanney, I believe, was in the 11s, and Daniel Jones and Kyle Letta were at 9-point-something, and Eli Manning was at 7-point-something. Now, obviously, very small sample size, especially for Eli. But it just goes to show you how willing each quarterback was to push the ball downfield and not just settle for the, the shorter, quick, easy passes, the checkdowns, that kind of stuff. So Daniel Jones... In the nine-yard range, nice, nice, healthy, solid number. So even though he's completing 85% of the passes, it wasn't all these little check-down, safe passes, quick hitters. No, he was also throwing the ball downfield. So as we stand going into the season, he's checked off a bunch of boxes, right? Spring, check. Training camp, check. Preseason, check. Now it's just about getting in games, taking hits in regular season action, and seeing what he's going to be. Can he lift others? That's ultimately my biggest question with Daniel Jones. It was my biggest question once the Giants drafted him at six, and it remains the biggest question. It's really not going to be answered until he gets extended action in regular season play, which brings me to my next takeaway. The Giants are going to play Eli Manning. They're going to start him as their quarterback this season. I'd be surprised with everything they've said if they went away from Eli at any point until realistically they their playoff dreams were dead. Now, I say this. I think it's a waste. Playing Eli Manning altogether, bringing him back, all a waste. Unless you firmly believe, and I'm not in this group, that this team is a serious contender. And by serious contender, I mean Super Bowl contender. Right? They won eight games the last two years. They've lost 24. Okay? I don't see this team as anywhere near a serious contender for the Super Bowl right now. Really don't. Don't see any way anybody really could realistically. So what's the use of throwing Eli Manning out there? What we've learned about Daniel Jones at this point is that he looks at least capable of being put into a game and not being completely out of place. And yes, he'll take his lumps. Yes, he'll have his ups and downs. He'll struggle at times. He'll make mistakes. He'll be a rookie quarterback. But 
he will be growing. And it will be a learning experience. That's why right now I don't really see the point of having Eli Manning as their quarterback. We've already passed the point of loyalty. And it has nothing to do even with what Eli is right now. It's really more the team that's around him. Yeah, maybe if you had a perfect team. You know, you had a stud defense like like Peyton Manning had when in his last run in Denver, right? He was completely shot, couldn't throw. His arm was was done. He actually was below average. I think Eli should be better than him that, this year than the Peyton was that year for sure. Eli could be a decent quarterback. I don't think his ceiling right now is much higher than that, especially considering he, you know he's not surrounded by ridiculous weapons. But if Eli Manning is average, Giants have an extremely young defense. We'll get to that in a second. That's probably not going to be very good. Probably ceiling for them is average. Then where's this team going? What's the point of throwing them out there? Why not? To me, and I always talk about this, to me, the goal of every year should be either to win a championship or do whatever necessary to put yourself in position to win that championship as soon as humanly possible. So by playing Eli Manning, to me, they're not getting any closer to winning a championship. But if you give Daniel Jones that large chunk of games, that learning experience, that then gets the Giants closer at this point, assuming he's that franchise quarterback, and at this point you you at least have to give it a whirl. He plays a large chunk of the games. You're getting closer to that ultimate goal. Worst case scenario is Giants go seven and nine. Eli plays average seven and nine, eight and eight, even nine and seven. You know, not even serious playoff contender. What's the point? And Daniel Jones sits on the bench the whole year. Then you didn't even give him that learning experience. So to me, you're not closer to that goal of winning the Super Bowl, which is the ultimate goal. The goal is to build right now. This is a build season for the Giants. And this is my next takeaway. You look at this defense, and I i swear, I mean, I really don't know about this defense. Even after the whole summer, the preseason, watching them every day of practice, there's so many unknowns with this defense. I have no real pulse on what this group is going to be. There's so many. Usually there's like three or four spots where – there's serious question marks, and you know, two of them pan out, two of them don't. Okay, so you're you're somewhere in between. But the Giants, they have like eight question marks on their defense. Like I'm not even sure about BJ Hill. What's BJ Hill? Had a nice rookie year, third round pick out of NC State, flashed. Is he a average, a little above average, good player? Or can he is he gonna evolve into something bigger and better? I don't know. I'm not sure. Jabril Peppers. Is he just a pretty good, decent player? Or is he going to evolve into something better? Even a veteran like Antoine Bethea. Is he going to be a quality, average, solid player? Or is he going to fall off the map at 35 years old? I don't know. So many questions with this defense. I didn't even mention the, the two the pass rushers on this team. They all come with questions. They don't have any any pass rusher that you can mark down 
and say, this is what we're getting from this team, this guy. This is how we're getting eight to ten sacks from this guy. They don't have that guy yet. Lorenzo Carter maybe is that guy. I don't know. I got my I have my concerns about Lorenzo Carter for sure. Now, let's look at Mike Clay, who works for ESPN. He puts out projections every year. They're all analytical based, and we'll go position by position, or you know, position group at least, and see what he predicts. So now. He has Eli Manning playing about 11 games, Daniel Jones the final six. Seems about right to me. Uh, Eli, 15 touchdowns, eight interceptions in those 11 games. It's about what I would expect. You know, if he played out a whole season, he'd be like 23, 24 touchdown passes in 16 games in today's NFL. Average pedestrian numbers. Uh, racks up more yards than... You know, touchdowns, uh, yards per attempt, not especially high. And then Daniel Jones, he has coming in six games, seven touchdowns, five interceptions. Yeah, but, you know, nothing special for Daniel Jones, which you would expect. He's coming, if he came in as a rookie and he played, the likelihood is he'd have his ups and downs. And there wouldn't be anything special. Now, Saquon Barkley, he has 1,293 rushing yards, uh, another 88 catches, 710 yards. So what? Uh, 1900 and uh, 2000 yards, basically. 2000 yards, 13 total touchdowns. Right, kind of where he was last year. Really good numbers. Uh, I'm expecting kind of the same. The only thing is he has Saquon at 281 carries. That's 20 more than last year. With a few fewer receptions, I think three fewer, 88 to 91 from last year. So his total touches he has up from last year, but at 369. I think he could even go above that. I think if Saquon Barkley's healthy, he really could get into that 400 touch range, which is rarefied air. There's usually a couple guys every few years that do it. You know, DeMarco where Murray did it a few years ago. Um, Sean Alexander's done it in the past. Guy, guys like that. You know those seasons. Where guys just, Ezekiel Elliott's done it. He's their workhorse in Dallas. And he's now signed, by the way, for this week one game. Get a little bit into this week one game a little bit later. But we're looking a little more big picture Giants right now. So let's go to the receivers from Mike Clay's projections. We have Sterling Shepard at 73 catches, 944 yards. Golden Tate, 55 catches, 594 yards. Remember, Tate's suspended four games. So it's probably equivalent production, both those guys, if you prorate it out. Evan Ingram, 66 catches for 790 yards. I think Evan Ingram could do even better than that. I think he's going to be a focal point in this offense. I really do. Just look at the way the Giants handled him. I've been writing this. I think I think he could top a 1,000 yards. Now, of course, he has to stay healthy. Big caveat. Big if with Evan Ingram. Right? But I know people. some people I've, I see are down on Evan Ingram. Some people are really high. But you have to remember, he had a really good rookie year. Granted, everybody was injured. All the opportunities were there for him. And he got banged up his second, his second year in the league. So it's not like he has a history of, okay, uh, he's been, I've had some people on Twitter, of course, never look at an indicator of reality, say, oh, yeah, I've been unimpressed by him. I mean, why unimpressed? After his rookie year, you were sitting there looking at Evan Ingram and be like, this guy could be great. Really strong rookie year. One of the best 
receiving rookie years yards-wise catches in a long time. And then last year was a struggle. His best four games were the last four games of the season when he finally got healthy. But I honestly think a 1,000 yards receiving for Evan Ingram is realistic. Now, on the defensive side, Mike Clay has Marcus Golden, you know, of formerly of the Arizona Cardinals, and once had, I believe, 12 and a half sacks in a season, as the leader in sacks for the Giants with 6.4, B.J. Hill at 5.4, uh, Lorenzo Carter at 4.7. I think a lot of people will be disappointed with that. And... Uh, who, let's see, leads the team in tackles. Alec Ogletree with 111. Not a huge fan, also, of the defensive backfield, either the cornerbacks and the safeties. I think the cornerbacks, I mean, obviously, it's a lot of projection. And, yeah, maybe he's right a little bit in that. When you have rookies like DeAndre Baker and Julian Love, and second-year Grant Haley or Corey Ballantyne, another rookie. Young group working alongside Jannar Shanks. I'm talking about the cornerbacks. Young cornerbacks often have trouble. You don't come in and have a lot of success early on. But I think it could be a decent group from top to bottom to secondary. Now, they're not going to be helped out by that pass rush, but Mike Clay rates each unit grade, and he has both the safeties and cornerbacks in red. I'm not quite as low on that those two groups as he is. Now, his lowest group is uh, outside linebackers and edge players, which I or line, linebackers in general and edge players. So I, I agree with him on that. The linebacking core is definitely a concern with this team. And they got rid of B.J. Goodson, who I always liked. I know he's a bit of a thumper, a uh, little duplicitous player when you're talking about Alec Ogletree as well. So I that that's why they, they got rid of him, end up trading him. We're going to waive him. Got a last minute something for him. Well, you know, uh, crumbs, and he's gone now. now. I think he could be a player. He would have been a lot cheaper option than Alec Ogletree, and I don't think he would have got much different in regards to production. But they traded for Ogletree. That's Dave Gettleman's guy, and that's why we're standing where we are. So Mike Clay has... The entire defense pretty much in red. With the interior of the defense at 2.0, I believe it's a scale out of 4 because their running back group is 4. Maybe it's 5. I don't know. But don't really know. It doesn't say here for sure. But quarterbacks, they have below average. Wide receivers, they have below average. Offensive line, he has average with 2.4. Yes, it's out of 5. Interior defense, a little below average. Edge, linebackers, way below average. Cornerbacks, below average. Safety, below average. Offensive rank, 23rd. Uh, yeah, I think they'll be around there. Middle middle of the pack. He has them a little below the middle of the pack. Maybe I'm a, a little more optimistic there. Defensive rank, he has them 32nd. That's scary. Again, don't think they'll be that bad. Uh, but I don't see that unit being great either. Now, two only two... Position groups he has in the positive are running back, obviously, Saquon Barkley, stud. Can't do better than that, pretty much. You know, you can pick your flavor, maybe him, McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, um, missing one other, Todd Gurley, whatever. Healthy Todd Gurley, at least. But 
Just a stud. Going to be the offense is going to revolve around him. Going to be a great player. We all know that. Tight end, he has them as above average group. Evan Ingram, his receiving skill. That's probably what that's all about. So I think their offensive line, a little above average, is realistic. Uh, quarterback, I agree with him in the red, below average. Uh, in the defensive backfield, I think it'll be average. Now, they're not going to be helped out by the lack of pass rush, but between Peppers, who I think is that we know at least can be a, a, a decent, probably above average player. I don't, I don't know if he's going to be anything more. I think that maybe is a reach to think he's going to be upper echelon kind of player. But at least we know he could play. Antoine Bate, he could play. Janaris Jenkins, he could play. So I'm not as down on that secondary. Now, maybe that factors in the pass rush greatly. Maybe not. And projected wins by Mike Clay. This is all analytics-based, by the way. 5.9. I picked the Giants, by the way, to be 7-9. and nine. So I'm a little bit more realistic. But I do agree that their win range to me, because of their schedule, and I don't think their schedule is that bad. I think it's pretty easy. I think they're in the 6-9 to nine win range. That's kind of where I see this team. I don't think they're as bad as some believe. I don't think they're going to be a four-win team. A three-win team, not with the schedule they play. And I mentioned this. This is what you got to keep your eye on. This is going to be the indicator. They lose week one in Dallas. No reason to panic. It's a good Dallas team. A good roster. Ezekiel Elliott's back. I'm taping this on a wet, late Wednesday night. He just signed. That's a more talented team than the Giants. They're playing at home in their home opener. The Cowboys are big favorites. I expect them to win. If they win, the Giants lose that game. Not a huge deal. No reason to panic. Now, if they lose week two at home, this is the game. Circle this game. You're going to know what the Giants are after two weeks of this season. If you can't beat, the, if they lose the opener and they can't beat the Buffalo Bills, who I know they're improved, decent team, Second-year quarterback, maybe he'll grow. But if the Giants can't win that game at home, in their home opener, then sound the alarms. They're sitting there 0-2 at that point. Sound the alarms. Again, 0-2, by the way. I think for the sixth time in seven years. Sound the alarms. There's a problem. Houston, we have a problem. It's another going to be another rough year. And the Daniel Jones talk will be off the charts. It's going to start right then and there, for real. 0-2. Lose at home in your home opener to the Buffalo Bills. It's not a great team. Got to win that game. You have to. If you want to even pretend to be somewhat legitimate contenders, that's going to be a game that the New York Giants have to win. And with that, we'll go to the next category. On to the next one. Let's go over the roster a little bit here for the Giants. Uh, they made their final 53 cut, or their initial cut, and then made some moves afterwards on the 53-man roster this past weekend. Not a lot of huge surprises when we're talking about the Giants because this team really isn't that deep. A lot of guys that were cut, I mean, you, you could sit there, and talk about Alonzo Russell. 
and even Kylo Letta and Chad Wheeler. Probably some of the biggest surprises I named right there. Those three guys. And, you know, they're bit players. They're likely bit players. Loletta, to me, probably the most notable. Just because he was a a fourth-round pick the previous year and the Giants already gave up on him and really soured on him quickly. And we'll get to that in a minute. But the depth of this roster is definitely a problem. When you look at it, you look at rosters around the league, premium players, depth, top to bottom, Giants roster still insufficient in my opinion. Now, two of their players were picked up that they got rid of both by the Dolphins, and we know the Dolphins are in complete rebuild mode, starting from scrap. One was a long snapper, Tabor Pepper, and the other one's Avery Moss, who really never fit with the Giants and this new regime because he was a leftover. Once you're a leftover, it pretty much spells the end for you. Dave Gettleman, I believe, and Pat Shermer, there's 10 players, I believe, remaining from pre-Gettleman. And so Avery Moss never really fit in there. He goes to the Dolphins. Never really was in the mix that much this summer. Was kind of buried. Former draft pick of Jerry Reese. So he's gone. And the most notable player that actually did get waived and then eventually landed on the Eagles practice squad is Kyle Oletta. It was interesting in that the Giants were willing to give up on a fourth-round pick from just last year. Now, there's a little reason to be concerned in that their fourth-round pick from last year is now gone already cut. They soured on him real quick, despite a really good preseason. So that tells you really all you need to know about where they stood on Kyle Oletta. Right? They didn't really like his work habits. I had heard that last year. And you knew he was doomed when Pat Shermer turned to me after the Washington Redskins game when he made his only appearance and didn't complete a pass, I believe, in five pass attempts and said, Oh, I hope you saw, I hope you saw what you needed to see. I mean, that's unheard of. To stand up there and say that. After you won by, you were up 40 to nothing in the game. And one of your comments is basically dumping on one of your own players. Who was a fourth round pick that year and a rookie. In scrub time. Of a late season game. So, fast forward. You know what? Eight months later, he's gone now. In favor of Alex Tanny, who, yeah, I get it. I don't really get why they by Alex Tanny he's hanging around. Okay, didn't have a great preseason. Pat Shermer says he wants him for the QB room. All right, doesn't make a ton of sense. Why do you need a veteran third quarterback? If anything happens to Eli Manning, you're playing Daniel Jones. You could always sign a veteran backup at that time. To me, having three quarterbacks on the roster, if it's not Kyle Oletta and he's not a project that you want to try and work on and build up, what's the point? Nothing against Alex Tanny. I like him as a guy, actually. But I don't see the need to have him. And they want him in, in the QB room. He, they seem to want him as like a coach kind of guy, another coach. As if Eli's not enough. They're paying Eli. Oh, he's counting $23 million against the cap this year. They need another guy to, to serve that mentor coach role? Heck, you could 
cut Alex Tanny and pay him to coach. And he would take up a roster spot. And if something happens, you could just put him on the roster. Look, we're talking bottom of the roster. We're talking 53rd man, 50, sec- 50 to 53rd man. Not really that important. So, no need to waste any more time on that. Offensive line, couple notable moves in the back end there. Nick Gates found it very interesting that Nick Gates made it, by the way, because the Giants obviously liked Nick Gates last year. This is a guy who's a guard. He swung out and played a little tackle as well. And the Giants kept him around, even though Nick Gates was injured last year. They kept him around on IR. And you're like, why are they keeping Nick Gates around? The guy was spending all last year on the third team. And it's because they liked him. And he turned out to have a decent summer, and now he's one of the reserves. Chad Slade was a the guy they brought in, second-year guy, third-year guy, I believe. Uh, this, is, this is his third season. Uh, actually, maybe his second season. Uh, he played with the Texans last year. Younger guy. Tackle guard kind of guy as well. He made it over Chad Wheeler, a guy who had started in the past. And the Giants actually said Wheeler was going to compete with Mike Remmers for that starting right tackle job. Never really materialized. It said in the spring, the second Mike Remmers showed up, it was over. And Chad Wheeler eventually is cut. Now, Chad Wheeler, yes, struggled. Uh, reserve guard, reserve tackle in the NFL. Again, nothing major for your roster. Now, Sam Beal is one of the interesting ones here. Third round supplemental pick. Missed all of last year with a shoulder injury that he hurt in the first practice. Now he can't get on the field this year, hamstring injury, and he lands on IR. Now, because they put him on IR after the original 53, he can get activated during this season and be back. But this now is Sam Beal missing most of the fir- his first two years in the NFL. Red flags galore. You have to worry about what Sam Beal's future is going to be right now. Has barely practiced. I think he came back for one practice. That might end up being a third a waste of a third-round pick. He was a supplemental pick last year. That might not work out. So now your third-round pick, a supplemental pick from last year, is hurt, about to miss at least first year and a half of his career, and your fourth-round pick is cut. Definitely things to keep an eye on as we move forward here. The rest of the roster... Uh, running back, Rod Smith, a bit of a surprise to land on IR. Didn't see that coming. That kind of came out of nowhere for everybody. Uh, Paul Perkins stuck because of that. I think that was uh, a little bit of a surprise because he is part of the previous regime. And he had missed the previous season. So to come back and actually make the roster, a little bit of a surprise there. Tight end, Scott Simonson got hurt in the final preseason game. That shook things up a little bit. Uh, they kept Garrett Dickerson, who I knew they liked, but... Garrett Dickerson's now injured. He's a quad injury, and he's going to be out for week one against the Cowboys. So they kept Garrett Dickerson, even though he can't even play this week, which is a bit of a surprise. And then they signed a couple of the Jets scraps, which is interesting, just to keep it in the back of your mind that they're picking up uh, tight end Eric Tomlinson and a backup tackle Eric Smith that really seemed like didn't have much of a chance to make the Jets. But, look, we're talking bottom end of the roster. Not huge moves. The Giants starting 
offense and defense was set in the spring. We knew it, and nothing changed. Nothing changed. Not that that's a bad thing. It means they all stayed healthy at least. So I think that's a positive heading into this week against the Dallas Cowboys. Is that all 22 starters, projected starters? Presumably Mike Remmers has had an illness back injury. Uh, today is Wednesday, so he didn't practice. So it's something to keep an eye on. But for the most part, the starters on offense and defense projected from the spring are going to be ready week one against the Cowboys. Now the Cowboys, they have their concerns. Which is why I don't think that I would give the Giants a little bit of a chance Sunday, even though they're on the road, haven't fared very well in Dallas in recent years. I think the Cowboys are the more talented roster. Ezekiel Elliott is coming from Cabo. I'm not that worried. I wouldn't be that worried about it because he's a running back. You you think Saquon has taken a lot of hits in practice? No, actually, I don't. He hasn't been tackled yet this year. Now maybe he gets bumped here and there, but he didn't play in the preseason. Doesn't get tackled. There's no tackling, by the way, to the ground in practice. You don't really hit the running back. He's occasionally got bumped and thudded, but the running back does not take much contact. The only thing that Ezekiel Elliott really missed was practice running behind an offensive line and against the defense. But just as I would with Saquon, the guy knows how to run. He knows how to play. It doesn't concern me that much. I still think he would be able to have success if he skipped the entire training camp. And I think Ezekiel Elliott, too, can have some success. Do I think he could go out there and play 50 snaps, 60 snaps? No, probably not. Be very surprised if that happens. But he could still be pretty darn successful. But he's coming back. Demarcus Lawrence is coming back from injury. Amari Cooper missed a whole bunch of time. So the Cowboys have their concerns. Byron Jones was injured coming back from injury. That's the biggest concern with the Cowboys. They have a lot of guys that are coming back from injury. Might take them some time to get going. Might take them some time to get fully healthy. Playing at their top level. That gives the Giants a little opportunity here in week one. Gives them a little opportunity. The center, the Cowboys center, missed the entire season last year. He's coming back. Tyron Smith struggled with a bunch of injuries. He's coming back. Their left tackle. So lots of questions with the Cowboys health-wise coming into the season. And the Giants, meanwhile, pretty healthy. Let's see if they could pull off the shocker. Now, I'm not going to pick the Giants in this game. Not on the road. Maybe if it was at home, I'd give them a better chance. But to me, it would be a pretty good upset. I'm going Cowboys 26 Giants. 16. So Dallas by 10. So basically I'm taking Dallas with the spread, I guess. 0-1 for the Giants. As I mentioned before, week two is when we really find out what the New York Giants are going to be in 2019. On to the next one. Let's finish up here with a look at some betting and fantasy because you know you guys love that, right? I mean, this isn't all about just you're watching your, your Giants or your whatever your team is win. Betting and fantasy keeps a lot of people involved in the game and it really takes it to a, a different level of popularity. So I'm going to go over some over-unders here. I, I always like to do this. And maybe I'll even make up some some of my own. Uh, we'll go with Daniel Jones. This is by uh, Bet Online AG. 
how many starts will Daniel Jones make in the regular season? They have that at five and a half. I am taking the under on five and a half, right? I've said it before. I don't think the Giants are going to pull that trigger quickly. It's going to be a case of when they're out of playoff contention, right? And it's really hard in the NFL to be out of playoff contention by, that means he plays six games. That means they're out of playoff contention after nine games. Week 10 of the season, I don't see it. I see Eli Manning lasting deep into the season because the Giants think Eli Manning gives them the best chance to win. That's why they brought him back. They think he has a lot left in the tank and could do damage with this offensive line. We will see. If he has a bad two or three game stretch, yeah, it may alter the situation. If they start one and six again, yeah, they would. I think they would go to Daniel Jones. But the schedule's somewhat favorable. I just don't see it happening early this year. So if I had to bet the over or under on Daniel Jones, I'm going under. I just am. Now, the fact that he did have a great preseason does add a little changes it a little bit before I would have bet that under that under so hard. Now, eh, you know, if, if things go really bad for a stretch, it's a little bit more likely that they pull the trigger because it's possible, possible, unlikely but possible, that Pat Shermer thinks that Daniel Jones gives them a better chance to win, especially if Eli's playing poorly. Still, to me, that's a definite under. A really no-brainer bar. But, but this is a crazy, crazy sport. So crazy things happen. But I'd say like a 70% chance that goes under. Total rushing yards in the regular season. Saquon Barkley, 1250. I'm going over. I see his touches being in the 400 range, 300 uh, rushing attempts. This team is going to be even more run heavy than they have in the past. So Saquon, I'm taking the over on the rushing yards. Total receptions in the regular season, I've been at, they have him at 82 and a half. I'd probably go under there. I'd say his receptions drop a little bit. Dude caught 12 passes in one game last year. It was a dump down fest. Now, I know he's going to be a huge part of the receiving game, and I think they could be more efficient, but I do see his receptions probably dipping a little bit. That's why I have his, I'll go with the under on the 82 and a half, but in the over on the 650 yards rushing. Uh, 12 and a half total TDs. I'm going over. I'm all in on Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram in this offense and probably under on pretty much everyone else. Now, say, now Sterling Shepard with the receiving yards at 800, tough number. I probably go oh, under only because that's assuming he plays all 16 games. I have my reservations. I, you never want a guy to get injured, but who knows? I, I don't know. Can't see everybody, everything going right for all these guys. So I'm going to go under on that. And Evan Ingram, total receiving yards, 750. You guys know I am all in on Evan Ingram. I This is my lock of the year. Over, over, over. He's going to be a huge part of this offense. I'm going over. I think 1,000 yards is possible if Ingram stays healthy. Obviously a big if again, but I like Evan Ingram. As far as sacks, I would take the... Under on Marcus Golden, six sacks. The over on Lorenzo Carter what was at five. Not that, not by much, but I think they're both being around that 
five or six range. I don't see anybody killing it there. Uh, really, what else can, can we think of uh, that I can make up here? Mm. Mike Remmer's games played with his back. I'll put a ten and a half. The guy might go under. I don't like the fact that his back is balking already. Didn't even start the regular season. That, that concerns me a little bit. We'll go with Jabril Peppers. Uh, 90 tackles. I'll go over. I think he leads the team with over 100 tackles. I think he'll make a ton, a ton of tackles. He's going to be sort of in that Landon Collins position to make a lot of plays. Uh, BJ Hill, five sacks. Uh, these are ones I'm making up. I, I would go under on that. Uh, I think he was opportunistic at times this year. He could be a better player and still go under that this year and still go under that number. Uh, that's not an easy number for an interior offensive lineman, uh, interior defensive lineman. So I'd probably go under on the BJ Hill sacks. I'll make the, the number of, of sacks by, uh, Dexter Lawrence, the rookie defensive lineman at, at two and a half or two even. And I'm still taking the under. Don't see him being a big sack guy and. All right, let's talk about let's, – let's switch from there and go with fantasy. Giants players for fantasy. Quick rundown. Ready? Eli Manning, don't really want any part of that. If it's a two-quarterback league, I guess he's a mediocre option. Aside from that, you don't really want to go Eli Manning in fantasy. Doesn't throw enough touchdown passes, make enough big plays. Does rack up enough passing yardage where I think he's somewhere sort of in the middle of the pack, QB 16 to 20. So in two quarterback leagues, he's worthwhile. Otherwise, I, I wouldn't touch him. Saquon Barkley, want him on my team, number one overall pick. Evan Ingram, I'll say it again, all in. I would want him. I think there's just a tremendous upside with Evan Ingram this season. Like to me, he could be he could be the George Kittle of this year. George Kittle just blew up last year, had over a thousand yards receiving. Uh, so I think Ingram can be that guy because, especially, you know. Kittle was able to do it in part because of the team that was around him. I think the same can be said for Evan Ingram. Uh, I don't want any part of any other Giants wide receivers, Cody Latimer, those guys. I don't even want them on my roster. Uh, too much inconsistency. None of them have even had a 1,000 yards receiving in their careers. And each of them have been around at least four or five years. So that's a big leap of faith. And then plus Golden Tate's coming back. Golden Tate's not a bad stash option, probably – uh, value is a little low right now because he's missing the first four games. But he'll come back and he'll probably produce. He's been a producer his whole entire career. And Sterling Shepard, mid-round guy, not crazy about him. Only because when Tate's back, I'm just not sure who's going to get the catches. One week it might be one of them, but Tate. The next week it might be Shepard. I think they'll be too volatile, their production. They'll be too up and down. It'll be hard to predict when they're going to have the big week, when they're going to get sh- you know shut out or have that one catch for 10 yards. So to me, that's not an ideal situation at the wide receivers for the Giants. And if anything, I'd probably stay away from all of them if I had my druthers. Uh, Aldrich Rosas, good as a kicker, was good last year. The Giants aren't going to be a huge scoring team, so he's a middle-of-the-road kicker. Uh, rosterable, but nothing special. Uh, at least he doesn't miss a lot of kicks, or at least didn't last year. Uh, Giants defense wouldn't want to touch them. Not enough pass rush and uh, just not enough consistency. There's too many young guys that you really want to bank on the Giants. I mean, it's obviously defense very random and turnovers you can never predict. As for the season, I gave you my prediction. 
seven and nine. I think that's fairly optimistic on my part and reasonable, uh, given the schedule being fairly easy. I think the Giants could do damage in that regards. Week two, like I said, keep an eye out on that one. That'll dictate where this team is headed. But, you know, window for them, in my opinion, is about six to nine wins. That's, that's my realistic window to them. Uh, I don't see them being much worse than that. I think they're decent in a lot of spots. They're, they're, they're with their schedule. I think their, their defense will get better probably as the year goes along. I'm interested to see if James Betcher, the defensive coordinator, could scheme around some of the deficiencies. It's going to be a tough job for him, but I, I think that they could have a decent unit. Uh, while some people think they're going to be terrible. Remember, I talked about, uh, Mike Clay having them as the 32nd ranked defense. I don't see it being that, the, the, the situation being that dire, but, uh, enjoy the season regardless. It's going to be fun. Uh, be optimistic while you can. Sure, why not? Then at least you have this in your back pocket. If things do go bad, you get to see Daniel Jones, your future, and build towards that future, which is the key to the season. This is a building season for the Giants. Keep that in mind. And But it's going to be fun. Sunday in Dallas, week one, always a spectacular environment. They're really my favorite stadium of all the stadiums. I mean, this is a, it's like a big party there with 100,000 people, a really high female audience there in comparison to most stadiums. That's my, you know completely non-analytic observation but uh yeah just a real nice party atmosphere week one everyone's always excited everyone's undefeated at this point so there's optimism for each and every team including the new york giants with that feel free subscribe to the podcast you can find it on all podcast outlets send me emails anytime i will answer your questions soon i promise email twitter Facebook, Instagram, you know where to find me. I'm Jordan Ronan. The NFL season is about to begin. See you next time.